0: Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Today, I'm doing an interview with Michael Long. Now, he's a software developer out of Saskatoon, and he made a really great game called Radio General. Now, I've been playing games since about 1990. I remember typing in commands to King's Quest and Space Quest and playing games like Civilization and the original SimCity. I really like those types of games, and Radio General was actually really cool because instead of seeing exactly where your troops are you have a map in front of you and you're listening to the radio you're hearing what's happening in these battles that actually happened in the second world war and you got to move troops on this paper map and you got to listen to what's happening and figure out what to do it's a really cool idea it's a really cool game i'm going to get right to the interview with michael long what got you into game design
2: uh, sure. Um, at the university, I went to University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. Uh, I participated in a game jam, and that's where you make a video game over a weekend, so like 48 hours. Um, I won a few of those, and uh, yeah, those, are, those were super fun. So that's what got <laughs> me into gaming. I previously was, uh, I was in computer science, so that did also make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was that. And also my br- two older brothers uh, also loved video games from a young age, so that helped too.
0: So how did you come up with that, uh, with uh, Foolish mortals and, and the decision to kind of go, go f- full on with uh, making the games like uh, Radio General?
2: Uh, well, uh, starting the company wasn't anything uh, special. I took a third year a game design course where we made a game, and uh, we really liked one of the voice actors um, for it. We, uh, we said Foolish mortals and Deep Voice, and that was kind of a funny name. Um, as for going full-time, uh, I made a few games um, part-time after my bachelor's degree. Um, they didn't get like any sales. Um, but during my masters, I started working on Radio General because I thought it was a, a pretty inspired choice. Um, so Radio General came about because uh, I've I've played a lot of war games, and all of them always tout uh, realism as one of the selling points. But whenever I looked at all the, at all of them, I say this isn't realistic at all. This is not how a commander would view any of these battles. <laughs> you aren't some omniscient eye in the sky floating around, and when you give orders. Somehow your guys instantly obey them all without question. They're not robots. Uh, that this just simply uh, never would have happened in real life. Um, mm-hmm. So realism is definitely one part, and another part uh, is the patriotic aspect. Uh, all of World War II games, you, know, you can always play as the Americans, the Russians, and the British. Um, the Canadians are only ever mentioned as an afterthought in relation to the British. <laughs> Excuse me. Even though uh, we actually contributed quite a bit. Um, For our population size, we contributed quite a large amount uh, to the war effort. So I felt uh, our stories definitely weren't uh, being told, especially uh, in Saskatoon and around Saskatchewan. We did send regiments. There are people um, whose grandfathers and uh, other relatives did serve in the war. So uh, it was about time uh, they got some exposure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, uh, that was the first thing I really noticed. Like I I've been playing games like civilization and, and such back in the nineties and uh, command and conquer, and you can see where everybody is, you know, exactly where your troops are. And so that was a big adjustment with radio general was I, I kept forgetting to like move the, the figurines on the map to where they yeah. actually were supposed to be. So at first I was kind of confused. I'm like, wait, are they over here? But the radio, they're radioing from here and then, okay. And just at times like there's so much confusion of like they're saying this and then you got other people radioing and it seems like it would be a much more like you said a realistic this is how uh generals were dealing with it they were listening to everything and kind of piecing it together um as it happens so uh just talk about um you know how that idea came about to to make it realistic um and then the fact that you did focus on canadian uh canadian troops cuz like you said they're very often uh, lumped in or in, in games like uh, I think Hearts of Iron you can play as them but you can also play as like any other country there's not really an emphasis on being Canadian unless you really want to play as Canadian so yeah just uh how how uh the idea to be so real realistic with the game came about
2: sure so again I've uh, I've, I've played a lot of war games and I also love um real-time strategy games like Starcraft or Warcraft um and I'm just a small team, uh, it's, it's basically the game is 70% me and then a few other contractors for other stuff that I don't do. But um, part, uh, a big part of it was actually just, um, it was just what can a single, how could a single person poss- possibly make a real-time strategy game? Uh, because it has all this art and animations and, you know, casting spells and stuff. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not an artist, I'm a programmer, so I can't do art. So how can I make a game that is as little art as possible? Uh, well, you don't show anything. You hide everything from the player, just have it be one static like three d environment and only change like the paper map in front of you. Um, so that was just a more of a practical standpoint of I can't do all this art. So let's just what 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 if you just hit everything from the player? they can't see anything. So um, that was a large um, largely practical. Um, as for the historical aspect, i've always I've also had the idea of um, in war games, it feels like they should be showing some, like there's lots of real photos from the war, but often the video games, they like make their own images for like the loading or briefing screens. Um, but I did know about um, Library and Archives Canada. I'd ha- I had done like a high school project uh, involving them. So there's all thousands of all these photos that are all copyright free, all taken by the government and even hundreds of videos, um, propaganda like videos taken from the war. <laughs> so why haven't, why, why haven't games used these? They're, they're copyright free. Anybody can use them. So I thought, well, I can't do art, so let's, let's include a bunch of real pictures as, as part of the art for the game and have that explain to the player what's going on. So that definitely made it more of a much more educational, uh, gave it more of an educational bent than pretty much any other war game that I know of. Because uh, we do include a little summary beforehand of where this region is, and then afterwards, a brief postcard about what actually happened. Um, And then we try to make the pictures and videos before and after each mission related to that area, though not always, but generally related to where you were fighting. And of course, all the battles were real battles um, for the Canes. We cover um, most of the major ones, except we do end a bit early after the fillets gap, ran out of time. Um, But yeah, so, uh, and we actually did, um, we're pretty excited. We actually did send a bunch of copies to our local uh, high school system, A local history teacher expressed interest. So hopefully, with um, students, uh, we're you know teaching, being being taught from home. uh, Maybe they'll get some uh, get some uh, learning experience playing Radio General uh, for a history class about World War II or something. Hopefully, that pans
0: out. Absolutely, yeah. With uh, with the like you said, the uh, the historic video and uh, uh, the the you have the newspaper clippings and things like that. It really adds to it uh, rather than just you know generating random headlines after you've done a battle like in uh, some games like going way back like Knights of the Sky or something like that. So that was a really nice touch. Uh
1: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip, you ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What were some of the challenges with making the game? Uh, Like you said, uh, with maybe the artistic part of it or or things like that, what what kind of uh, took the longest or uh, were some of the things you had to overcome?
2: Sure. Uh, the number one challenge is, of course, uh, the speech recognition. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I always, I thought that was a super cool feature. Uh, and of course, I underestimated how hard it would be. Um, but there there actually is a reason why games nowadays don't use it, even though um, we have phones and, you know, um, Cortana and Siri, we actually talk to the, our phones in our pocket all the time. So why, why aren't games using this? I mean, we did have a little bit of voice commands with um, Tom Clancy's End War for the Xbox 360, if you know about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, few, a handful of Connect game, Xbox Connect games used like, a handful of voice commands. Um, so it felt about time to revisit that and say, well, it's, it's been like, well, almost like 10 years since uh, End War came out. Surely we can do better than that by now. Uh, well, it's, it turns out it's a really hard. So we used um, an open source um, speech recognition engine. And we started with that and we found our performance was just absolutely terrible. It, it, it didn't even get like half the words spoken. So what we did was we limited it down to create like a small subset of words that it's looking for. And then further along, um, we had a train on, we had, when our testers played the game, we actually record everything they said and then transcribed uh, everything they said and then fed that into um, the engine to try to figure out what it is that they're actually saying. We got a performance working pretty well. If you talk like me, uh, it works almost flawlessly. Um, so, if you're like from Canada or like Northern US, most of the US, so North American accent, I guess. If you have a British accent, oh boy, they, they talk differently. Uh, that's a real challenge. Um, and unfortunately, that's like we did advertise that point maybe a bit too much in our game. So, the people who don't speak English as a first language, uh, it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. And also, another problem was. um Microphones. So a lot of people don't have like studio quality microphones. Um, often they're very cheap headsets. And so even if you have the best speech recognition in the world, if you have a crappy $10 headset, no matter how good it is, you will not get good performance out of it, no matter what. But when people are playing the game, they don't hear themselves talking back, so they don't understand how bad their headset is. So of course they blame the game, like, ah, oh, it doesn't understand anything. <laughs> but it's like, no, well, your headset's really bad. I don't. We can't do any better than this. Um, yeah. So that was definitely a huge challenge. And like that's, if you, if you had to pick like one thing on our Steam reviews of like people finding fault with the game, it was like, yep, yeah, uh, if you didn't speak English as a first language, didn't have a good microphone, uh, the speech recognition might not, might not be good enough to play with. It plays like your main mode. Luckily, of course, <laughs> you can just use the mouse, but it definitely yeah. loses something if you aren't shouting into uh, the microphone. Absolutely. Probably the second most difficult part um, was the emotional aspect. So I toyed around with quite a few different ideas. Of, I really wanted to bring a co- bring across the human cost of war. Because again, I feel like almost every single war game in the world misses this point uh, in Hearts of Iron or other games. You're like, oh yeah, you lost 2,000 guys, but you won the battle. Absolutely no problem. You'll just get some more. Uh, and it's They're just numbers. Mm-hmm. So I want to show that these were real people. You're talking over to the radio. They're real people. You, know, you have a job to do, but often you'll lead these people to their deaths. Good or bad, there's going to be casualties. So was, we want to bring across an emotional aspect. And we actually did have we actually did acquire some letters home from soldiers who, uh, who did die. And we, we struggled with a way to, we didn't, we didn't ever find a way to like, tactfully present them because they, those were real people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my solution was to make you, the commander, write fake letters home to fake dead soldiers. We didn't use real names for that. We just chose common Canadian names. Um, but I feel that got the point across probably even more because how do you, how do you possibly word a letter that you know, um, to a mother that their son isn't going to come home? Uh, well, yeah, it's it's very tough, and we had so few people um, mention they came to tears at that part because they knew someone um, that 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 had happened to. So I felt I felt that was good because uh, we want you to feel uncomfortable. We want the game to feel fun, but at points we do want you to feel uncomfortable. We want you to feel bad. We want you to say, "Well, could I've done better? Um, could we have fewer casualties?" These are real people who did die. Well, at least not in the game, but yeah. uh, at the yeah. end of the game, if you did make it to game credits. We scroll past every single name of uh, people we say, um, of uh, casualties. And that, uh, that can take like 10 minutes if you don't wanna <laughs> skip through it. Um, um, and we also want to present the emotional gut punch pretty early. Um, mm-hmm. Partially because most people don't play like an hour or two. They, most people don't play games for more than an hour or two. Often they'll set a game down and just never play it again just because there's so many games around nowadays. Yeah. So we had to include something early to try to hook people in. You play that tutorial mission, you lose, and then you have to write about, well, look at these people who got killed. Oh, geez. And hopefully that um, engage people to play the game uh, longer than they otherwise would.
0: Uh, yeah, I'd say the thing that surprised me the most was when you get through the mission and then I'm typing out these telegrams home, because I've never seen that in a game before. Like you said, you, whatever game it might be, like Civilization, a Destroyer Sinks, it, I don't even know how many people were on that Destroyer, doesn't matter. But with this, like, you're, even though they're fake names, you're still, these people are dead within the game because of you and you've got to, there's consequences to your actions. So that was a really excellent touch to, to the game for sure. Um, and it actually covered uh, my next question because I, I was gonna mention that. Uh, with the voice acting, how, how, did you, uh, how did you go about that? How did you find people to, uh, to do that, to get the, the, the uh, panic and everything of battle across?
2: Um, voice acting so on one of my previous games I actually had done like a murder mystery kind of drama game So we were actually used to um, working with voice actors. It's not too hard to find voice actors on the internet There's lots of websites, especially if you're willing to pay them. Uh, you'll just get you know, hundreds of applications So that's <laughs> no problem finding voice actors. Um, getting across the right tone. That's tricky We actually had several of them. Some of them are actually are or, or were in the Canadian military and one of them was like a radio operator So that was um, cool to get some expertise um from that um as for the emotional aspect well that was tricky we kind of just asked we we kind of like post a few archetypes like we kind of had one of them be like a overzealous sergeant one of them was supposed to be like a timid lieutenant not that we not that in game you ever like saw like which guy they were playing as um because we did have to reuse you know those same voice actors again because there are there are an absolute ton of voice lines for every single situation um we have Uh, Often like four to ten different voice lines for how they react to it and also depends on if they're in forest or on hills They have to say different things that was a ton of work and That I guess that would be actually the third technical challenge of the game was getting the voice acting to sound good Mm -hmm. Because you can't just record a full sentence about every single situation. There'd be Tens of thousands and we, we just can't pay people for that much. So, you know, we had people chop up their sentences we basically chopped up um, their commands, their lines into three or four parts often. Um, and then we had to do, employ a bunch of tricks to try to stitch them together. And you can still tell when there are certain breaks, especially when they're giving coordinates, like moving to B, 4. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can definitely tell there are some breaks. Yep. Um, but oftentimes I think we got it pretty good where you wouldn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to do some funny tricks, like we increased the sound of the radio static in the background whenever a, um, we were going to switch clips. Um, we would also decrease the volume a little bit of the previous clip and like um, fade in the new one a bit more. And we'd actually start playing the new one a bit ahead of time. So, um, so there's there's quite a bit of technical stuff going on to try to merge them. And definitely, it's a, it's a big challenge. Uh, and I can see why games don't normally do that approach. So like in Warcraft, when you click on a unit, they just say their one sentence and they don't give anything about context. They just say, yeah. you know, we're ready to fight or something. Yep. So, yeah, I can see why games don't do what we did. It's really hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, can you, how, how long did it take to, to put this all together? And can you describe the, the process of, of doing it? Like, did you have to go through uh, Steam Greenlight and, and all those things to, to get to uh, where you're at the point where you're selling it to people online?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, so it took me about two and a half years. Um, about one and a half years was part-time. I did that during, while I was doing my master's degree in computer science. I did that on the side. And no, we, uh, we fortunately didn't have to deal with green, Steam Greenlight. At that point, Steam Direct was on and you just, you just pay $100 and your game, excuse me, uh, goes on Steam. So basically part-time, um, yeah, everything was part-time. It was mostly me, but then I contract, I contracted out um, the, the art, um, the 3D modeling, the music, and of course, the voice acting. I did have someone help me with the speech recognition too. Um, but it was mostly me. I did also have a historian helping me. Um, during that time, I read about six different textbooks on Canadian World War II history. Um, so I like to research my games very thoroughly. Um, so yeah, the part-time, it was good. And then once I finished my degree, it was a, a year full-time. And that was, mm-hmm. that was, uh, that was a big change for sure. Um, switching from, um, academia to, uh, working from home full-time. That was quite a challenge. <laughs> um, it was, it's also a lot to, it's a lot to manage, right? Because, uh, it's mostly me again. So, um... Oftentimes you spend all day on emails to other people trying to tell them, trying to get your vision across, but it can be very challenging um, to manage other people and get, the, get them into it as well. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe that, not sure if you want more detail on something. No,
0: no, that, that works. Um, what's the response been like uh, to the game? Uh, when did it uh, get released officially, I guess, and what the response has been like? Uh,
2: it was uh, April 9th. Okay. So a few months ago, um, the, the response had been pretty good. Uh, very nice. Um, we have very positive, um, very positive reviews. I had several people even call me somehow, I guess my phone number must be on <laughs> as like the steam technical support page or something. Uh, I, I got a few people calling me thanking me about the game and that was very gratifying. But of course then they brought up was like, well, you know, the the Regina Rifles Company wasn't actually the Royal Regina's Company until 1945. There's definitely a few people who are nitpicking over yeah. um, the historical accuracy. I mean, yeah, what can you do? Yeah. And then there's a few, few people complaining about, well, my regiment wasn't in that game. How come it's not in? <laughs> yeah, well, we can't have all of them. Um, but it's been very gratifying. People thanked me for um, uh, bringing the Canadian part into the fold. Um, I also had a few uh, older people, and this was really cool. Um, older veterans call me on the phone. They're like, I'm trying to start a battle, but I don't know what to click on. Guide me through how to play the game. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, I'll, I'll do that. And it's obvious that um, uh, so a lot of these older people, of course, they aren't, they've never played video games before. They aren't experienced with it. Um, so it's very cool to see some of these older people take, uh, take advantage of that. And that definitely is something we were aiming at, the historical aspect. So I'm glad, glad to see that. As for sales, um, the sales were all right. Uh, We're very fortunate that, um, we made a bit of money, but, um, not too much. So I don't think the game will be getting a sequel anytime soon. Um, but luckily it wasn't a loss Unlike, I think it's something like 95% of steam games lose money. So, Mm -hmm. uh, we did, we did well enough, uh, on the release day, I think we were at the top of the new and trending tab on steam, which was quite a big deal. And I think we had about 300,000 people watch our watching our launch stream at some point. So that was, uh, that was very good. So, uh, yeah, so because of this game, I should be able to continue game development for a- at least a year or two. so it's good stuff. Nice.
0: <laughs> um, I guess uh, anything next coming for the uh, for the for the game itself, uh, Is there any kind of expansions you want to do on it, or is it kind of you know that project's done, and like you said, get started onto another project?
2: Uh, we're still thinking about that. Uh, it's possible, but um, generally DLCs, unless you have a very big user base, they don't sell very much. Um, we're still mulling the idea over. So, uh, we're unsure about that.
0: All right. And, uh, I guess just the last question, how can people find it? How can they get in touch with you if they are interested in knowing more about the game or if they like you said, uh, teachers who want to te- use it in uh, class, which would be an excellent idea. Uh, just in my time playing it, I think it'd be a fantastic way to teach people. So yeah. How, how can people find the game and find you?
2: Absolutely. So you can search for Radio General just in Google or in Steam and it should pop up. Uh, you can also head over to our website of foolish-mortals if you want to see more of what uh, what I'm doing now. And um, yeah, if you're a teacher uh, for some sort of school board or something, yeah, shoot me an email and uh, I could probably hook you up with some free copies.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview. And if you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at com. You can support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX, and you can visit my website where you'll find all my podcast episodes, hundreds of articles on Canada's history. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. Thanks, we'll see you again next time.